This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at Earsports.com, part of the Paramount Podcast Network. I am Mike Casaza, sitting down here to pick the defensive depth chart pick apart the defensive too deep for west virginia following saturday's spring game at mountaineer field we went over the offense on tuesday morning back again to help me sort through things chris anderson chris asked you about general thoughts last time we talked about the spring game here um no need to rehash that but we focused mostly on offense and how that kind of had brought some bravado some swagger but also how things maybe hadn't changed too much about what the spring game meant, uh, but also how fans felt. And as I sit here and, and think about what you said when I said that day, it kind of feels like the same for me on defense, where people aren't too concerned about the defense. They've had a lot of continuity on the staff and also the roster. Some of the holes they filled looks like they've done a good job. So people were not really panicked about it before. Could have been when you look at the number of players they lost to the portal. But people still feel pretty confident with the scheme and the coaches and who they brought in. I kind of feel like a slightly different meaning, but people really don't feel that much differently. Their attitudes about the defense haven't changed. They feel confident in it. They'd probably like to see something more definitive as far as a dominant defense. But again, they feel like it's capable because they've seen them get pretty close in the past, too. Yeah, well, this is this is the kind of goodwill you build up when you have coaching changes and personnel changes and young guys and the defense is still good. And 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 that's what West Virginia has done w- with uh Jordan Leslie the last couple of years and then even Mick Canning before that. Um this this team has it been, you know, top 10? No, but it's been a defense that you can win games with and and they have been thrown a lot of curveballs on that side of the ball and they've just made it work. And when you can do that for two, three years in a row, people believe in you. Like people that, like you said, they're, they're, I mean, they lost thousands of snaps to transfer multiple starters. They, there is no clear like experience in the secondary really outside of maybe Charles Woods and maybe St. McLeod. I mean, Woods has played it, started a handful of games towards the end of the year. McLeod stepped in towards the end of the year. But outside of that, that that's it. And <laughs> I seem to be the only one that's truly concerned about what's going on in the back end there because everybody else is like, hey, these coaches have done it before. And they feel confident what they got. So we feel confident they're going to do it again. That's wild, isn't it? It is absolutely wild. Like, like I mean, part, of, part of me sits there and goes, well, why is Chris so worried? And part of me is like, oh, yeah, those secondary <laughs> players are a primary concern for me right now, too. Uh, and then again, like you, you, we saw some of the issues about that in the spring game, too, where, you know, second line guys had a really hard time covering. Um, I think that had a lot to do with the offensive success, at least for some of the passes and the deep ball numbers in particular, too. But um, those guys probably aren't going to be out there a ton. And we've seen them before. They They don't necessarily 
pour a ton of snaps in their backups. Yeah, they they ride their starters for as long as they can, and, and you might have more incentive to do that this year than before, which is, again, a wild thing to think of because the starters aren't exactly like rag, rugged veterans and, and guys who've gone through this before. It's mostly like kind of green guys who are either new to this level or new to college in general or being on the field too, but people are just kind of going, eh, give it time. They'll work. And they have plenty of time, and those guys are going to get a ton of reps too. Um Let's just stick right there. Let's start with the back end of the defense because there is more to say about them. There is more to discuss about the possibilities and the combination of potential and the conversation thins considerably once you work to the front. So we'll save the front for the finish. We'll start in the back. Um, Cat, Marcus Floyd, free Aubrey Burks, Spear Davis Mallinger. I'm willing to say the two of those three are sure things right now as as far as penciling him in on a depth chart here at the end of April. I just don't know yet about Mallinger. Um, lots of potential, lots of talent. You can see him when he runs around, and, and he's long, too. He's quick. He's kind of big. Um, not scared. But also they got Jasir Cox for a reason. We'll see about St. McLeod, kind of get mixed reports on that, what's going on there. But at the minimum, they have an option coming in to compete with compliment someone who hasn't played the position before and is still kind of new to defense um i don't know is that a fair assessment free cat no problem spear tbd yeah i'm good i i feel floyd for sure uh you know as as the spring was going on i was thinking to myself yeah they're gonna try in there and move him back to corner and then it became very evident that no they're not going to move him back to corner he is going to play cat or he, that's where he's going to play um he's back there at that safety spot and and if that's where he's best and i don't think you need to force a second corner uh, i think it's important to make sure that you have somebody you trust on the back end and if that's who they trust back there they need him back there so i don't think he's moving from that spot i am leaning more towards cox starting at that spear spot i, I don't think you bring in a veteran senior um, in that role, and they told him this is where we're going to play you. I don't think they bring him in if they don't expect him to start. And then that third safety spot, I'm all over the place. I mean, I think it could be Burks. Uh, again, depending on what's going on with McLeod, maybe you talk about moving him to that spot if he's coming back, if he's capable of doing that. What about Malinger? Because Malinger has been at, what, all three safety spots, and he hasn't even been on campus for a year yet. So so he's been kind of cross-training and all those things. And maybe you just try to find the best one available out of all those options to to fill in that. Or maybe the best option still isn't even on campus yet. So I, I feel confident and good or, or maybe too strong of words. But I, I feel like Cox is your spear. Floyd is, is uh, what is it, cat or free cat. And then after that, kind of figure out that third guy. Yeah, I kind of feel like if they are going to add the secondary, which does seem like they're they're intent on doing with one, maybe two, it might be three, which is kind of unusual because I do think they like Aubrey Burks a whole lot, but we'll see there. Um, Hershey McLaurin, they've recruited, um, haven't seen or heard a ton of him, but I mean he did run around and make some plays at the end of that game too, so that's helpful. Could he be? I mean, why would you go and get a free if you have a guy like McLaurin that you're developing? But maybe it's somebody who has a lot of experience and, and, and can do something like that too. And I think you're right. Just because it's the end of the spring doesn't mean it's the end of the experimentation phase. Um, maybe Floyd's a better. I don't think they're going to move Floyd, but like a corner is oftentimes well suited to play free safety because he understands 
everything in front of him and what everybody's supposed to do. Cat's a little bit different um, from free. Uh, the, I don't know, the, the technical mumbo jumbo is probably kind of boring, but a free safety is a free safety and a cornerback. I understand that. I just wonder about like what they're trying to do back there. Like they played a lot of quarters in zone last year, just to suit who they had, especially at safety. But now you look at, you know, certainly, certainly uh, Floyd, more of a corner. He can run and play man at cat, which you kind of like. And then Spear, Malinger can definitely run. Um, man-to-man potential there, too. And I just get the sense they want to be more more close to the receivers and press them more and, and play like man or bump and run more. And that might have to do with their personnel, which means that you're freezing out to be a guy who runs around and covers a lot of territory. If Burks is good at that, that could have something to do with it. I guess my point is not being in the meeting rooms and not having – all the insight I want, all the access I want to what they're trying to do. It's hard to say who's going to go where, but that's what this part of the season is about right now is that they're going to sit down and, you know, have a retreat sometime next month. Um, and just kind of like grease board all this stuff and say, all right, who goes where, but also who puts us and what combination of players put us in the spot that let us complete this picture that we want to present to an offense. Like we want to be a man team and play less zone. Well, we got to have this guy here. We can't put him here. Those are questions they're going to answer, too, and that'll have a lot to do with what we see. But um, that, those safety spots are important because they're not just, like, keep the roof on the defense, guys. They play coverage. They come down. They have to stop the run. You have to be versatile, too, and, and not a ton of bodies right now. And even if you bring somebody in, there's a learning curve there, too. But to your point, lots of combinations of possibilities. It's not, not finished yet. Um, no breaking news there. Sorry, I should turn my cell phone off. Um, corner, Woods, definitely. Yeah. And then I'm probably higher on Andrew Wilson lamp after the spring game than I was before. And I try not to do that, but I, he hadn't, he's the guy that I hadn't seen practice a whole lot because it was Malachi Ruffin days typically went out there similar to quarterback. I hadn't seen a lot of Will Crowder because it was always Garrett green or it was always Nico Marchio. And frankly, in the practices that's seven on seven stuff, that's, that's geared toward the receivers no matter what in the offense, no matter what, but I liked what I saw from Wilson Lamp. He can definitely move. thought that last year they had him returning kicks and punts as a true freshman. Um, another converted receiver, but he, he recovered a couple times. And not just like deflect balls or to, to get a pass break up, but he recovered to get back into plays, maybe discourage a pass. I was just watching him. He moves pretty smooth. That length helps. He's 6'2", probably longer than that, too, with his arms. He can... He can obscure a lot of stuff too, close some windows, deflect some passes. I, I feel a lot better about that corner two spot. Not great, but a lot better. And, and certainly him above Ruffin, who had a hard time sticking with guys. And then certainly Mumu Ben Wahad and Tyron would be. So to me, one on one, Woods and Wilson Lamb seem pretty clear to me. I am with you 100%. And I was the same way. And we keep saying, don't take too much into the spring game, but. You could see his athleticism, his recovery, and like you said, his length, I think, is what stood out most to me. He seemed to kind of, I don't want to say lock down, but he he was able to cover a lot of space and, and just cast a wide net whenever the ball was coming his way, kind of like, you know, a big, lanky receiver, which is what he was. And now he's a big, lanky cornerback, which helps him keep big, lanky receivers from catching the ball. And so I was pleasantly surprised by what I saw from him in that spring game, even if it was the spring game, even if it was pretty limited. Um, but I I don't think there's any doubt that it's Woods and Wilson Lamp right now uh, for those two cornerback spots. I was, let's say that, um, I, I I know you didn't want to have me on on the post-game pod because of <laughs> my uh, 
Preston Fox uh, pick, and I would never shut up about it. But that also came with some some intel from some people that told me that essentially the entire second team secondary, especially the cornerbacks, were just getting destroyed in spring practice, in scrimmages, every time they got into 7-on-7 seven seven or 11-on-11. 11 11. And obviously Fox would be lining up as the second-team receiver against the second-team corner. And sure enough, hops right out there and does whatever he wants to do. And a lot of what I saw from those this, this second-team corners was pretty discouraging. Uh, they, I mean, again, discouraging maybe is too hard of a word because they they're freshmen. They're young guys. They, they are, should still, a couple of them should still be in high school right now. So it's an area where they need to get better because they need to add depth back there. I mean, they, they they have gotten lucky, I would say, the past few years of just riding the same two corners every single game for almost every snap. Um, it it kind of bit them last year when Fortune came out, but Woods stepped up and did a nice job. I don't think you can rely on just two corners. You need to have three. You need to have four, probably, that are game ready. And West Virginia does not have four game-ready corners right now. They do not. And... um so I think that that second string needs to, uh, you know, adjust quickly or that could be an area where West Virginia adds somebody down the road. Or again, maybe this is where Jacoby Spells steps right in, you know, highest recruit in the class. Uh, he, he's ranked highly for a reason. Maybe he steps right in and is your second string corner. Caleb Coleman's definitely a safety, right? I think so. I think, uh, yeah, he lined up at Cat, I think, yeah. in the in the spring game. Yeah, correct. He's the backup there, but he has some corner experience. Trying to think of what they could do with their roster. Like, we don't think Floyd's going to do it. Coleman has played it before. McLaurin's too big, I think. I, I know. I mean, he, shoo, he's big. Um, I, that, I mean, I just think that if it's not spells, it's going to have to be somebody that's going to go into the portal with. I feel more convinced now they're going to go for the portal for a corner there, too. And I don't know. We'll see. There's... A lot to like there from the top end, and, and you certainly give guys like Woodby, who didn't play football last year, give him a chance to to use some time on the game. Ben Wahad just made the leap. Ben Wahad's a pretty impressive athlete, though, just watching him compete out there. And again, didn't make all the plays, but he wasn't out of position or lost on times when he was physically into the play. Mental stuff happens. I get that. A lot of pressure, but need to do some work there one way or the other, too. You want to take a stab at linebacker? Because there are some, there are some developments here, I think. Yeah, I think, um, you know, we didn't get to see X-ray low at all this spring, but I feel like it was trending towards Lance Dixon even before low was out this spring. Um, I, I, you know, they split time. So however you want to put it for that, that will spot Dixon and low over there, Mike uh, Lee Coba, they've been talking him up. He's been, he was out there with the starters. You know, maybe they add Tyreek Austin Cave, the Miami transfer who's coming in this weekend. Maybe he pushes for that starting spot, but I have a hard time seeing it being anybody but Koba for the moment. Bandit, I think, is interesting because it was Bartlett and it was, oh man, I'm blanking. Um, Alabama transfer. Now he's in uh, Cowan. Mm-hmm. Uh, split in time. And then at the end of the year, for the final three, maybe four games, Linnell Carr started there and I believe played the most snaps. Now, we saw Bartlett be great and we saw him be not there. Like he's on the field, but you don't even know it because he's not really doing much. So he, and that's something that Neil Brown has talked about how he needs to be more consistent. Um, 
So I'm curious how they're going to split those reps because Bartlett and Carr are two very different body types. Uh, now, both of them do a good job of getting after the passer, but they're two very different body types and do, I feel like, different things other than uh, getting after the passer. Yeah, combinations there, too. Uh, Carr's an edge player. He's like a defensive end who can play, like, stand-up, right? Right. An outside guy. And it looks like Bartlett's like more of like a Mike, probably going to be a better blitzer between the tackles or between the guard and center. So that's good. I like that. That's a combination. But is it transparent to the offense? Maybe. Probably shouldn't have that. Um, I'm with you on Will Dixon. Dixon, man, he got beat for a touchdown on that pass from uh, Sam James to Sam James, that fourth yeah. and seven pass. The fact that he was in the play was pretty remarkable because I think I might do a film thing on this. They ran the same play twice, except James changed his route the second time, went vertical instead of parallel, and Dixon recovered really smooth and ran with Sam James. The throw is perfect, and 31 yards is not enough time for him to complete the comeback on that route. But he made it like he made that harder than it should have been for the quarterback and the receiver. The throw had to be perfect, and it was. There's no safety back there, but like Dixon's Dixon's good at that will spot. If he can run around and cover and, and tackle, they're going to be okay there. Lowe's a fine backup. Um, one name you did not mention. Kind of like Ja'Cory Hammett. Yeah, he was in there he's playing Mike with the second team, right? That was a bandit, and they said, nah. And I was like, well, if he's not a bandit, then safety, spear, like what? No, we're going to put on Mike. And I was like, really? And just hadn't seen him do a whole lot. Like he was like third team and then like collection of of other guys in the days that I saw him practice. He was in there twos, definitely some threes, but feisty, man. Like he got in there and mixed it up, was not afraid to go in and just like smash himself into a gap or try to make something happen there too. That's that's something you can definitely you can definitely build with. I'm not saying that you start from the, the ground up with like reckless abandon, but if you're a Mike, you're not making plays if you're tiptoeing and if you're trying to slice through gaps, whatever. You're going to have to go in hard sometimes too. And I don't know where he goes, but just the samples there, I was like, all right, that's something there too. Because they don't have anybody else in Mike. Caden Beiser's there. Hammett's totally different. Uh, Beiser's, you know, probably not as athletic, maybe knows the position a little bit better because he maybe practiced more last year, including. Um, I for, for first time, I got eyes on Hammett. I was thinking that was – that was not bad. There's something there that you can certainly see happening. Question is, is it in 2022? I'm not sure. That just seems like a spot they're going to have to. Is is uh, Austin a Mike for sure? Uh, yeah, I feel pretty. Uh, I feel pretty confident that's probably where he's going to end up at. I mean, I know they get a little, uh, hey, moving around Mike and Bandit and everything, but uh, he was mostly lining up on the interior at Miami, and and that's where he was recruited for out of high school. Just makes sense then, I guess. Okay. Uh, finally, defensive line. No questions here. From end to tackle, Taj Austin, Jordan Jefferson, Dante Stills. The fun starts in the backup spots. And then if you want to have a whole lot of fun with it, you are fourth offensive line when they go even front. I guess the point here is that they have three. They probably have more than three they really like. Um, who would be your fourth, Chris, if you had to? Like we do offensive line. Well, they have five, but they have who's their sixth guy? Well, they have three because they play an odd front. Who do you think their fourth guy is? Well, I'm going to cheat a little bit mm. because I'm going to go. Well, I kind of feel like it's Sean Martin anyway, right now. Bingo. Um, and part of the reason I think that is because one, you can slide him in there, and I think he he fits, and 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 he has been. He looked really good in that spring game and on a day when the offensive line had a solid day. Uh, I, I think he was one of the, the the bright spots for that defensive front. I think he got some nice extension on guys, was able to kind of push back 
and kind of bull rush a couple of the offensive linemen when he had a chance. But when you, and I did this with the offensive line, when you look at the guys that the coaching staff had with the first team defense, obviously they had Stills, Austin, Jefferson. But instead of putting their second string with the second string defense, they kept their rotation guys on the first team. And there were three other defensive linemen that West Virginia had on the first team. So they had six defensive linemen with the first team defense. Stills, Austin, Jefferson, Martin. Would you like to take a stab at the other two? So Thornton? Nope. Oh, well then I'm out. Tell me. Hammond Russell mm. and Taurus Simmons. How about that? And, and, and Simmons was somebody that Neil Brown singled out after the game in his his post-game comments from the field as somebody that, that had a very strong day and somebody that had, over the course of the last couple of weeks, really stated a case for receiving more playing time in the fall. So that's not somebody we've talked about a ton, but he was there. And, and, and well, let me rephrase this because he was <laughs> – he was on the gold team, but then was wearing a blue penny and was also out there with the blue team. Mm-hmm. So he was a, a blue team starter, which was second string defense, but also a gold team backup going against the first team offense. Some. So whatever it is, he was listed on the gold, played some with the blue, and Neil Brown pointed him out as one of the standouts on, on the defensive line. It's pretty clearly to me, and apparently you, that Martin is four, right? Number four. Oh, yeah. Um, After that, just off the roster, it was Russell and Simmons. I think you dive into um, guys that were hurt this spring. Like, uh, you know, Russell, again, I I didn't see him play. I don't remember him playing. Uh, Vesterinen is somebody that played last year, has been out all spring. Um, So... That would be somebody that would probably be in the two deep once we get into fall camp in the fall. And then, of course, they're bringing in uh, Mike Lockhart, the Georgia Tech transfer who has played in 25 games in college already. So it seems like they they are still looking to develop that depth in that rotation. The thing I like about Martin, and you mentioned this, he created space with his arms. He plays like Alston, but he plays where like Stills and Jefferson play. And his body's his body's just not like Dante Stills, and it's not like Jordan Jefferson. It's more like Austin, but he's not—he's not like a five or a nine technique guy right now. I mean, I guess he could play—he could play like the defensive tackle spot, but they played him inside and even fronts, and they played him obviously the tackle spot. But I just—I like him. I think he's going to do something this year that the time is right for him, and he's done everything he's supposed to do to to launch himself forward there too. I liked what I saw from Jalen Thornton there. Um, you mentioned Torres Simmons; those are guys that kind of give him numbers there. When healthy, Hammond Russell is going to be a player there. Now you're talking about. You know, four or five guys when they get Ed Vesterin back who can roll in out too. Will they do nine, ten in the defensive line in a game? Maybe because then they want to they want to keep their top guys fresh. But the fact that you can do that and you can get into different combinations that's good. And I, I know they're entertaining uh, the, the Lockhart kid, but boy, that's not a need for me. You know, if you only had one left, I'm not sure that'd be your need. Now, will you take him because he's a quality player who has some time left? Sure. You've mentioned the fact that you know there's a difference between a right now guy and a Right now, your role is to be a backup, but you have a chance to be somebody later on. That does kind of make some sense, but I, I was a concern about the defensive line before, even without Akeem Mesidor, and I don't feel much different about it right now. With you. Yeah, Lockhart's definitely one of those guys that, hey, come in, 
you have some experience. You can be our fifth guy, sixth guy. And then when Austin and Stills leave, maybe somebody else is out after that. I mean, Jefferson's a junior. Um, maybe that's a role where Lockhart takes on a, a bigger role because he's going to have three years of eligibility left. So, yeah. Before we wrap up, a reminder. Chris and I will execute a very silly but very significant draft here. One of us will get the first pick. One of us will get the second and third pick. Snake draft, whatever. Fantasy purposes, if you want to think of it that way. But we're going to pick first-team offenses and defense however order we want to. It doesn't have to be we're picking offense first and then defense. But um, how will you fill out a top 11 in offense and defense? We have sketched out the two deeps in back-to-back podcast here. But once May 1st rolls around, players are into and out of the portal. We can expect some Mountaineers to go in. We can expect the Mountaineers to fish out or at least try to a couple of players in the coming days here, too. That'll shape the roster and the pool of available players. But we're going to pick from people who are on the roster and in incoming recruits the batch that will arrive over the summer and then try to figure out what our best 11 will look like on offense and defense. And just simulating this in my head and on paper, it's kind of a different exercise to look at what is good, and then how many different directions you can go with their offense and their defense, which we have kind of, again, sketched out by looking at the two deep and also the different possibilities for, you know, defensive line, secondary, offensive line, receivers, so on and so forth. But um, pretty flexible team that may be able to adapt to different opponents or strengths of their 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 offense, their defense, no matter what the opponent is doing. If they're good at something, it may be because of the way they've arranged the pieces. And I think this little draft will give us a way to take a look at that. Excited, Chris? I am. I think we did something kind of similar to this with like basketball, like maybe the all decade team or something like that. And mm-hmm. it, it was fun to see how much better my team was than yours. I, I'm not good at these things usually. So I'm going to go hang out with you here and then go start uh, sitting in the library, having a coffee, trying to figure out how I'm going to win this battle. Um, all right. Best of luck to me. Until then, I'm Mike Casaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you later. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.